You're listening to What She Said with Candace Sampson, a podcast for Canadian women about Canadian women. What She Said is here to empower, educate, and entertain you. For the past six months, I've been sharing interviews with amazing female business owners that embody the best of entrepreneurial spirit. Together with RBC, What She Said is taking a deeper dive now in a five-part series that takes a close look at some of the struggles and triumphs women business owners have faced during the pandemic so that others may learn and grow from the wisdom shared here. Today, we're looking at the green economy. The climate crisis is real. And unless we take drastic action, we are cementing in a heartbreaking future. Not exactly a rosy intro, I realize, but, and thankfully we can insert a but here, we can still control the outcome if we stop looking at a green economy as an alternative and invest in it as the only path forward. A green economy is defined as low carbon, resource efficient, and socially inclusive. And entrepreneurs across Canada are leading the charge with businesses that strike a balance between profit and planet. In today's podcast, we're talking to two businesses that have found niches in the green economy that address a specific problem. Supply is a reusable takeout container service in Toronto that's on a mission to provide takeout without the waste. And Bruised is on a mission to upcycle imperfect produce into wholesome eats. RBC, our sponsor, is committed to a more sustainable path and is working to accelerate clean economic growth and support their clients in a socially inclusive transition to net zero. Today, we're going to jump into the why behind these businesses, some of the hurdles they face as they scale them, and some possible solutions. Joining me today is Megan Decatur-Tully and Juliana Greco from Supply, Monique Chan from Bruised, and Marcy Cardinal-Lamb, Senior Commercial Account Manager with RBC. Let's start with an introduction because I think every great business has a great story behind it. So we'll start with supply and then we'll move over to Bruce. So what's the backstory to supplies uh, business? Yeah, sure. So this is Megan here. Maybe I'll take this first. Uh, So for supply, this is actually, this is not a, a pandemic company. This is something that's been on my mind for years. And it actually, um, it started with a a small documentary I saw on the Tiffin lunch program in India years ago. And I was working at my previous employer and I'm pretty sure that wasn't the purpose of uh, the purpose of the the video was not uh, that I should go found a company uh, for reusable takeout in, in Toronto seven years later. But uh, that just struck me as, yeah, it's so unnecessary to have all this waste associated with takeout. And I used to sit around the dinner table with a bunch of close friends and we pitched business ideas to each other. A bunch of them were entrepreneurs. And I pitched this idea about five years ago, six years ago for this reusable takeout container service. And they thought it was a terrible idea. This is my husband included. Um, And they said, you know what? I really like the, I like the black plastic containers. You know, I can just throw them out when I'm done with them. If I lose them at work, it's not a big deal. And I of course was like cringing. Um, But I thought, you know what? Okay. Market's not ready for this. Fast forward to about three years ago, and I was hanging out with the same group of people. 
And they started complaining about all the single-use packaging waste from these meal delivery kits and these juice delivery kits that they were getting. And I just sort of laughed because I thought, okay, clearly the market is, is getting ready for this. Um, so we founded Supply in October of 2020, just launched a small pilot in, um, in one neighborhood in Toronto with four restaurants. Um, Juliana came on board to really kind of help grow it. You know, fast forward to today, and we've had a lot of great traction. We'll be in, I think, 27 restaurants by the end of August of this year, uh, with close to 2,000 account holders in just the downtown Toronto East End. So that's the very quick summary of, of how it all came about and where we are today. I think it's worth mentioning here, just to bring in some statistics, because it always gives um, perspective, um, the importance of what you're doing. It is estimated that over 4.5 million tons of plastic are introduced to the Canadian market on an annual basis. That's more than 125 kilograms per person, only a fraction of which gets recycled. Um, Canada, this surprised me, uh, Canadians are the biggest per capita waste generators among developed countries. Did you know that? I actually didn't know that stat. It's it's upsetting, actually. <laughs> it's it's a little bit alarming to cons- to think about because we tend to think of ourselves as this progressive nation, and here we are, one of the worst polluters. Um, and only nine percent of plastic waste is actually recycled in this country. So here we are, all diligently rinsing out our bottles and cans and throwing them in our recycle bin every week, and and only a fraction of that is actually being recycled. So we this move away from single-use plastics is crucial um, to, to stopping climate crisis. So I would say your business is right on time, uh, Megan and Juliana. That's what we've heard from, from the market. So um, yeah, hopefully we can continue to have uh, an increasingly large impact in terms of phasing out, helping phase out uh, single-use um, packaging. Let's move from uh, the packaging our food comes in to what we are consuming. Uh, and Monique Chan from Bruised is here. So let's talk about the story behind your business, Monique. Yeah, sure. So Bruised started, uh, was launched in 2019. So it's been almost a little over two years now. But the the root of the idea actually was back when I was in university and I was studying food waste in my last year, but at the same time working in the restaurant industry as a line cook. So I really had that hands-on experience of kind of seeing what I was learning in school and then after school, just going to my, my shift and then seeing so much food just being thrown out. And it wasn't even food that was rotten or had gone bad. It was perfectly edible food that was literally just piling up the garbage. Um, so this was a huge shock to me because I just grew up very uh, conscious about how much waste um, my family uh, produced as a whole. So it was, it was just, I was just mind boggled. It was, it was just completely unnecessary. And I was surprised that no one really saw was as shocked as I was. It was just like a common practice that, um, you know, at the end of the day, all the baked goods get thrown out or like anything left over from a brunch on the weekend all gets thrown out because it's only valuable in that certain time slot. And once, you know, 
12 p.m. hits, it's automatically garbage. And I think that's a really interesting um, perception we have as society that food is only valuable within a certain time frame. And then once it doesn't hold that value anymore, it automatically is shifted to be waste. So um, yeah, just from this experience of working uh, in the food industry, I just made note of how much was being wasted and um, also even tried to propose to different businesses solutions and what they could do to reduce the waste and even make more money as businesses. Um, and a lot of times it just wasn't a priority. So it was kind of like passed on to the side and that's kind of the fire that drove me to quit my jobs and, uh, and start bruised and just start working on this idea that I can create a business that actually addresses this issue and, um, can empower local, um, farmers, uh, local community, and also individuals that we all can work together to reduce food waste on a whole. Um, so pretty much bruised is a plant-based meal, uh, it's a plant-based snack, uh, company. So we take any commonly discarded ingredients, um, byproducts like juice pulp or aquafaba, um, or also imperfect produce, mostly fruit right now from local farmers and retails. And then we upcycle that into healthy plant-based snacks. So one of our main products is called Pulp Crunch. It's a high fiber granola cluster that is made with a base of juice pulp. And we uh, sweeten it naturally with ripe bananas that we get from retail stores. And also it has some imperfect apple chunks that we get from a local farmer. It's all dehydrated. Um, gluten-free, nut-free, and super high fiber and nutrient dense. And we just want to, in a way, want to prove with our products that there is value in these ingredients. And it's about just shifting that narrative of, um, of things just being waste because there's no use for them in that industry. Um, and we're, we're trying to break that stigma by providing familiar products like a granola, um, that is equally delicious, super nutrient dense and high fiber, uh, but is made from ingredients that would have otherwise been wasted. So I think education is a huge part of our business and we're trying to do that by incorporating a lot of fun, interactive content with our social media and, and not just being a company that's selling a product, but, but creating a community that wants to fight this issue and, um, I think that's where every revolution starts is just educating everyone on why it's important to us as individuals and what, what tools we can use to, to really make that difference. I think it's a really important to uh, just emphasize here briefly that not only do we waste a tremendous amount of food in this country, and I'm going to share some stats in a second, but there is no reason for a single person to go hungry. Uh, that is a huge part of food waste is that there's no reason for anybody to be going hung hungry in this country. Uh, on average in Canada, so I'm about to share some scary statistics, 2.2 million tons of edible food are wasted every year, uh, costing Canadians in excess of $17 billion. So the next time you throw out a bunch of bananas, just imagine yourself burning a $5 bill uh, because that is what you're going, you're doing every time you don't use that food. Um, 
63% of the food Canadians throw away could have been eaten. Another alarming statistic is, is that. And just to give a little bit more perspective to this, every single day, we waste 1 million cups of milk. 450,000 eggs are discarded. These are healthy, nutrient-dense foods that we're just wasting. So you're, again, entering the market, I think, at a perfect time because we, we can no longer ignore food waste. And what it also does... Never mind, you know, that we could be feeding people and, and the money we could be saving, but also the damage it does to the environment is, is crazy. Um, you know, 9.8 million tons of CO2 from wasted food. It's alarming, isn't it? Yeah, that is definitely what really pushed me to focus on bruised. And I think it's important to even note on that is that a lot of people, yeah, food waste is horrible, but also the resources behind growing our food, transporting it, the labor, um, all of that encompasses the food that reaches our table. So I think when we start um, educating people that food is more than, is beyond just something that nourishes us, but also encompasses a whole story in itself because of the, the journey it's traveled to your plate, um, I think that helps people realize the value in food and how much it takes to really to not take it for granted as much as before. Um, and also I think uh, it's, it's just important to, yeah, we're starting this as a single business, but I think it's important to be a role model for other businesses that this is the future of how we can operate as food businesses. Why, why waste food on individual levels when we can all work together and use repurpose as much as we can from other industries. And I think, that's the beautiful thing with collaboration is that so much good can come out of it. And I think this is the future of food, to be honest. <laughs> and I think what you've just said is a perfect segue into the next part of this. The three of you, you are not running not for, for profits here. This is a business. These are businesses. You, you need to live off of the money you make off your business. Uh, it can be done, uh, which is why we have RBC joining us today. Uh, Marcy, how big is uh, this, how big is, I guess, the shift to these green economy businesses? Are you noticing it at the bank level? Hi, Candace. Thank you. Um, first, you know, I just want to take a moment to recognize, um, you know, these uh, women entrepreneurs. I think that uh, you've come a long way in your business journey, you know, whether it was six years ago or, um, you know, in 2019, so two years ago, you know, you've come a long way to bring these ideas out uh, to the public and to our consumers. And I, you know, I think you're going to make a, you know, a huge shift. Um, you know, especially in our local economy and uh, with our local businesses. And so I'm really excited to, to talk to you today. So thank you, Candice and Megan and Juliana Monique for having me here today. Um, you know, there, there has been a huge shift in, in the green economy. Um, you know, RBC, obviously, you know, dedicated to sustainability. Um, you know, we've industry specialized our teams here at the organization um, to focus on different aspects of business, uh, different industries of business, whether it's, um, you know, a, a technology piece, whether it's our supply chain, whether it's our business or professional services. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of partnerships in play right now to help our business owners with uh, beyond banking needs, 
you know, you find your, your traditional uh, financial institutions all currently offer, you know, a suite of, of, you know, banking products for you, you know, whether it be your, you know, your lending facilities, your bank accounts. Um, but I think that there's a big push out there from our consumers and from our clients to really help our business clients along their journey um, with their businesses, whether it's, you know, if you're at the starting stage of your business, whether you're at the, the funding stage of your business, um, whether you're at the exit stage of your business, um, you know, we want to be there to make sure that, that we're on that path. So I want to take a second then, because I think there is a uh, probably a lingering perception out in the marketplace uh, that green economy businesses are, you know, sort of crunchy granola, tree hugging individuals. Uh, you know, you're not serious business people. Uh, so let's let's debunk that a bit, right? Because uh, I think we all have to acknowledge that humans are ingenious and we can find ways to make money and still be responsible. Uh, so do you agree with that, uh, ladies? Like, is that the way forward through all of this? I mean, I, I can jump in. This is Megan here. Um, I believe that. I mean, I worked, uh, my background is in finance. I worked uh, eight years in public finance, five in private and the last five in private was an impact investing. And it was really working with entrepreneurs all over the world to figure out sustainable ways to tackle social challenges. And I think all of us at our very bare bones are, are problem solvers. I, I think humans just like pro solving problems. And to me, what is more fun than solving a, a challenge like, like this, um, where you can benefit um, you know, your local economy, you can benefit the environment and you can feel really, really good about the businesses that you're building. And as Monique said, as kind of being a role model and setting an example and bringing others on board to kind of help raise all ships from a business perspective, but also, you know, so that we kind of uh, facilitate behavior change so that we are operating in a more sustainable way, just, and living in a more sustainable way. Ready to take control of your future? Realize your business idea with RBC through digital first solutions, advice, and services that go beyond banking. They can help you start and grow your business. You can get started with opening your business account online. RBC ideas happen here. Learn more at rbc.com slash beyond banking. What are some of the biggest hurdles then? Uh, we'll start with maybe uh, Monique on this one. What are some of the biggest hurdles you're facing right now uh, scaling your business? I think for us, the biggest hurdle is probably having that mentorship or support and surrounding finance and business strategy. Um, right now, our team is very strong in like rescue development, um, branding and design and more of like the upfront stuff, but I think just the behind the scenes um, bookkeeping and business related um, tasks are, are hard to really organize when we don't have that type of um, inclination or just uh, knowledge on how to really go about um, moving forward. Uh, so having just someone that can look at where our business is right now and at the same time, give us kind of a, a breakdown of what strategies we can use to really reach our future goals. 
I think is really would be really valuable at this point. And then also, I guess, um, issues with just by being a small business, our cost of, uh, of everything is, is higher because right now it's a one woman show, which is me doing all the production. Um, we're sourcing local because we really value supporting our local farmers, community members. Um, and if we can't source local, we try to source organic because we really value good quality ingredients and care about what the consumers are going to be getting at the end of the day. So with all that, it's hard to keep costs low um, in comparison to like big brand companies who have so much infrastructure and, you know, machinery that can pump out so much product. Um, so I think a huge struggle for us was just to keep our prices lower and um, kind of be able to compete in the market. And we saw we saw um, some setbacks with this by trying to sell wholesale and a lot of our, um, distributors were just like, your prices are a little too high or the margins aren't exactly uh, right for us. Um, and that kind of, again, affects our cash flow because then we're, we're not able to really grow um, because of that setback. So I think everything is almost like a domino effect of this thing has set us back here, which, you know, affects a lot of other things down the road. Um, but right now we're selling through farmers markets. And I think that's for us right now has been the best um, option because as a small business, uh, our audience is mostly uh, going to these events and it's also allows us to connect with our customers and almost do that in-person marketing what that a lot of larger companies don't really do. And I think that is our competitive advantage over them that we take that extra step to really connect with each individual. And I'm there as the founder, my other business partner is there. Like there's no one else that we're hiring to be there. It's literally the team. And um, we really value those interactions and, um, it's just uh, trying to scale from that to be in more places and have bigger impact, I think, is where we really uh, struggle with. Perhaps Marcy has some input on this one, because I, I would agree that, you know, in general, uh, when we go to buy green products or products that are, or are better for the environment, they tend to cost more. Uh, at the consumer, at the consumer level, you know, it's a natural instinct to go, oh, like, why would I pay more for this product, right? Uh, and you really do have to be committed to helping the environment to shell out more from your wallet uh, for this product initially. So I don't know, Marcy, do you have some thoughts on, on that, on helping to get costs down uh, especially for a business that's just starting and doesn't have the buying power? Um, you know, you mentioned uh, mentorship. And I think, you know, starting a new business or, you know, at your stage or, you know, even at the stage of, uh, of supply is really having those partners at the table. And I think you hit it on the head when you mentioned part, uh, mentorship, um, really having somebody alongside you to guide you through the, the different stages, walk you through some of the, you know, the, the, objectives that you need to reach and what solutions you're going to put in place in order to, to work through those um, in order to meet your business goals. Um, you know, my, my recommendation there would be, you know, to, to reach out, you know, create a network of partners, um, you know, whether it is, you know, a banking partner of yours, you know, your, your advisors, your lawyers, your accountants, make sure everybody's involved at every stage of your, of your journey. 
um, you know, as you're, as you're working through the beginning stages, you know, I can share, you know, a little bit about some different partnerships um, that are out there um, that may help you, you know, with, you know, whether it's, you know, keeping costs low, you know, where do you get your supplies from? Um, you know, how do you source funding uh, for different stages of the project? Um, you know, one of them would be Futurepreneur Canada. Um, and that's one of the programs, one of the partnerships that RBC is involved with. Um, and within that program, you know, they assign you with a mentor. They walk you through uh, a lot of the different um, opportunities that are out there and, you know, help you with a plan to overcome some of your hurdles and objections. So that would be, you know, one of my suggestions that you said for, for mentorship. And, you know, that mentorship would, again, you know, help you with, um, you know, that cost control. Where are you going to get this cost? How do you price your items? I don't think, you know, I think you need to be aware of what's out there in the market, you know, really doing some, some real market insight um, into what other people are selling their product for. Um, you know, if you still have to cover your costs, you still have to have a little bit of margin. And I think people will open their wallet if they know the story. I can't speak for any of the financial uh, things, but when it comes to networking, I just have to jump in and quickly say, I hope you're not sleeping on LinkedIn. It's such a powerful place to be building your network and to be using it. Um, I ignored LinkedIn at my at my peril uh, for a long time. But now that I've actually started to build my network there, it's amazing the group of people you can find uh, in your in your circles that you can um, sound, you know, bounce things off of, learn from, connect with. It really is a great space. Uh, Juliana, your business in particular, I feel like you might have some extra hurdles uh, because it's not a product you buy and walk away and you, and you know, you may never see them again. You're, you're, you need involvement from your customers. So maybe you could share some of your pain points with us. Indeed. Yeah. In involvement. Um, and I mean, we're kind of paving a new path. Um, there hasn't really been a reuse system, at least in Toronto for takeout just yet. So there's a lot that comes with that. So there's a lot of education um, to restaurants, uh, to consumers, and to investors alike as well. Um, and up until this point, it's just been Megan my, and myself just kind of slogging away every single day. So as you can imagine, um, resources is like a, a number one thing that we're we have been struggling with to date. Um, so just bringing on, as Marci Marcy mentioned, new partners and plugging people in where we can has been really important. Um, so yeah, getting financing to date as well as just scaling our marketing efforts have probably been like the two um, different pieces that we're looking to ramp up. Um, and yeah, I'm sure Megan can add a little bit more there, but that is probably where I would say. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add is if they're not free. Um, so figuring out not just um, where to get financing, but the types of financing. And Marcy, you touched on a whole bunch of different programs. I think for entrepreneurs, it's tough too because you don't really know what you don't know. Um, so you don't you don't know that there are all these programs out there, but you don't ex exactly know what you're missing out on, um, how to find them all, uh, which ones are appropriate for like different activities or projects, I suppose. Um, so it's a whirlwind and that's just like the, the financing part. Then there's the whole other 
uh, gamut of things you're doing running the business. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think oftentimes when you're running a business as an entrepreneur, you're way too busy in the weeds to be able to rise above and see the bigger picture. And you need to be constantly upgrading and educating and learning. And that piece, I suppose, Marcy, I guess would fall with somebody like RBC who must offer these education pieces for entrepreneurs. Is that correct? Um, you know, I think, you, you know, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct in, in, you know, when you say that, you know, where to get financing, types of financing, um, it's really important. I was, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to chat with uh, both of the companies um, outside of the podcast and, you know, very different stages of, of the business. And so when you're thinking about starting a business, it's really having a really great, strong understanding of where your business is now where, what financing, you know, if you were to receive financing, what would that financing be used for? You know, are you upscaling? Are you doing, you know, capital expenses? Are you um, investing in new employees? You know, you have to have a really good understanding of, of what that money will be used for. Do you have adequate cash flow in order to, you know, to, to turn your product into a sale and um, and get that money and to cover those expenses. So really having a good line of sight. Um, you know, we offer um, help with you know cash flow analysis. You know what what that working capital is going to be used for. The startup costs. Once we understand the source or the use of the money, what you're going to be using that money for, it's easier to find the opportunities. I think you know for startup costs. If you're looking for, you know, I think you're upgrading your technology right now, Megan and Juliana, um, you know, that would be, you know, kind of capital expenditures. Do you need to borrow that money right now or could a government grant, you know, or a government loan cover some of that money? And, you know, that would give you a bit of a break on interest in some cases. It would give you, you know, longer amortization options, meaning you pay it off in a longer period of time, you know, depending on when your company is going to be profitable. Um, you know, when you're when you're you're turning a profit, you know, do you have the working capital in place? You know, that's where your kind of operating lines come into play. Um, the business banking side of things, the financing solutions. Um, you know, do you, you know how can we help with that working capital? You know, to allow you to purchase your inventory to then turn that inventory um, and services into sales. So at, at different stages of the of the business. There are different sources of funding. There's government-backed loans. You know, there's your typical uh, RBC financing solutions, whether it's the operating lines, credit cards, overdraft. But there's also another kind of small suite uh, that are government-backed loans, whether you get them from RBC or whether you get them through, um, you know, the government of Canada or the Ontario government at that. Uh, you know, there's federal, there's uh, provincial uh, grants available out there for you. And, you know, we can help you by introducing you to some of those partners, you know, taking you through the grant match and also assessing, you know, where you are um, in the business and in terms of, you know, whether an operating line would be, you know, the best answer, whether, uh, you know, a government back loan would be the answer or a term loan if you're buying, you know, something a little bit, uh, a little bit on the bigger side. When you sit and you think about your business, where do you see yourselves in 10 years? What's the goal? I can answer that, I guess. Um, so for Bruised, in 10 years, it, um, a huge goal for us would just to be 
expanding in North America and also the US um, because there's no shortage of food waste. I think our business uh, model is very uh, replicable in a lot of major cities. Um, also just the art ethos of like connecting with local farmers and community members um, is huge for us and I think can be achievable because we can create those new relationships of connecting with local juiceries or local farmers in those specific areas um, and then uh, rebuilding uh, brews locations um, specific to those locations, uh, those uh, demographics. So I think it's um, a huge goal for us to, to see a future where we can be a very modular business in a sense that we're not necessarily making everything from one location and trying to ship everything, you know, just from Toronto, but we instead want to be aware of like the missions that we ourselves as are creating as a business and find ways to make it um, as sustainable as possible by, by starting in the location and understanding food waste on a individual basis versus kind of painting this broad picture that food waste is a problem, we have a solution, and instead start those conversations with local farmers, um, asking them if it's even a problem to begin with before kind of assuming that it is. Um, because a lot of other, a lot of farmers actually do um, have solutions for food waste, which is an amazing thing. And that's definitely a goal. But I think what we're trying to target is people that are constantly creating food waste on a uh, on the regular and we want to help address that and also educate people on um, why partnering with businesses like this, us or creating an industry of renewal um, can be so valuable. Ready to take control of your future? Realize your business idea with RBC through digital first solutions, advice and services that go beyond banking. They can help you start and grow your business. Get started with RBC. RBC. Ideas happen here. Learn more at rbc.com slash beyond banking. I think you've hit on something really important too. It doesn't make any sense to be in a green business uh, and then, you know, shipping your products 5,000 miles and burning fossil fuels to get them there. So you've hit on something really important that every aspect of your business needs to be green, not just the product. Yeah. And uh, again, no, like our motto is embracing imperfect. And, you know, at the end of the day, no one's perfect in being the most sustainable person because there's always going to be a, a, a downfall to any, any, thing you do on this planet, there's always going to be enough uh, impact. But I think our goal is to make the least amount of impact and to just do better the next day. And it's not about being perfect or, you know, always using our, like certain like eco-friendly um, materials. It's about just doing the best we can with what resources we have. And I think that is also something that will encourage other people to even start that journey for themselves because it's not as daunting to be like I need to be a perfect like low waster like eco-friendly person to to even start and it's like no you can literally just start by bringing a reusable bag to the market or like you know riding your bike and it's like those small changes that build up um as we spread this this mission to reduce waste uh on a global scale Juliana and Megan, um, I want to hear what you where you think you're going to be in 10 years. And then I'd like to share where I think you're going to be in 10 years. <laughs> That'll be fun. 
Um, yeah, to think about 10 years from now, like, wow, that'll be uh, quite some time. You know, time moves uh, much faster when you're in a startup. But I think when we think about it, it's really a behavior shift is, is, is our goal. So if you think about, well, pre-pandemic when you're in the office and let's say you have a big meeting of people, um, right now, like it would probably be pretty shameful to come in with a plastic water bottle. Um, and a lot of people have reusable water bottles. And so that's really want, where we want to get at with takeout containers. Um, have that not be the norm is just a single use takeout container. Um, reusable takeout containers will be the norm 10 years from now, guaranteed. <laughs> Um, and, and how we do that is, is what we're building out right now. So we're really building out a model here in Toronto that we can kind of just pick up and bring to other cities all across Canada um, and then other cities beyond. Uh, we do get requests from places all across the world to come and launch in like Hawaii and places in Japan. So, you know, that's the goal and just to see reusable takeout be the norm. I, I think that's incredible. And this is where I was thinking, you know, in, you know, 10 years, you know, my, my children, you know, 10 years, 15 years might be telling their children these stories. Oh, you know, remember when we, we used to actually take these containers and throw them in the garbage, you know, it'll be so foreign to my grandchildren to even hear about this crazy concept of the waste we created. Uh, so I, that is my hope for your company because I believe that that is what's going to happen. But that education piece is crucial for you guys, uh, which is why I'm so thrilled that RBC has sponsored this podcast to put bruised and supply into the spotlight for people and to know that this these are sustainable business models to be chasing. Um, you know, the green economy is a real thing. So Marcy, before we close, for anybody who's listening, who is thinking about starting a green economy business or has started one, do you have any advice for them? Thank you, Candice. You know, I'll just summarize, you know, basically what I've chatted about throughout, uh, throughout the call. Um, you know, number one, you know, create relationships early in your journey. Um, Find those partners that work well with you, um, whether they're mentors, whether they're lawyers, you know, um, uh, accountants, you know, trusted advisors. Find those people early in the game and keep them, keep them by you. You know, leverage their expertise, their experience, their connections. Um, you know, just chatting with you further today, you know, I have other things coming up in my mind of, you know, people I can introduce you to and, you know, Patent lawyers is one of them, you know, like there's so much that your businesses can do and, you know, how do you protect it? Um, you know, you have such a great vision, you have to protect it too. So, you know, your trademarks, your patents, you know, that, those would be people that, you know, I would think off the top of my head, you know, to introduce you to, um, you know, you know, I'm, I'm here obviously on behalf of RBC, but, you know, every financial institution now offers, you know, your, your traditional suite of banking solutions. You know, before you go into, um, you know, looking at loans per se, you know, talk to your banking advisor on some of the other relationships that that financial institution might have and how can you benefit from those. A lot of the times they come, you know, free of cost or, uh, you know, at a very discounted fee. 
Um, the partnerships are strategic in the sense that they're out there to help our, our small business owners, knowing, you know, that you have complex lives. You know, you have limited time, you have limited money, limited resources. You know, your attention needs to be all over the place um, at every, every moment of the day. Um, so, you know, I really, you know, challenge you to find those partners, leverage them for what they have and, you know, be agile, be willing, be able to change. Uh, you know, if COVID hasn't given us anything, it's the ability to be agile. You know, you, you have a plan in place, um, you know, something might come up down the road, um, you know, where you have the opportunity to, you know, make a slight shift or maybe add on to the business um, and go down another pathway while still kind of, you know, being honest and true to your original mission. Um, you know, be agile, be open to to the advice that comes to you to the, you know, the partnerships and the, the networks, you know, Candace, to your point, you know, LinkedIn, um, you know, when I started uh, with the bank 22 years ago, you know, this didn't exist. Um, I was chatting with my neighbor, Facebook um, actually didn't exist when I was in university. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, these are, this is the new way of life. And as you move through your businesses, you know, we have to be agile with the changing times, you know, your technology that you're going to create you know, it's going to be relevant now. Is it going to be relevant, you know, five years from now? And what, you know, what is, you know, what's the market going to bring? Um, I personally love both of your uh, business models. I love your, you know, your mission. I'm a, I come from a green household, you know, not just from a blue bank. Uh, but, um, you know, we strongly believe in, um, you know, less waste. And, uh, you know, I'll be sure to definitely share your businesses. Um, you know, with my network of people, I think that, you know, it's amazing. So the more people you reach out, you know, you connect with, you know, the more marketing, free marketing you get as well. Absolutely. And so to that point, uh, this is the part of the podcast where uh, I would like Bruised and Supply to share everywhere they can be found for consumers, for potential investors who are listening to this. Uh, let's start with Supply. Where can people find out more? Yeah, so if you wanted to just find out everything that we're all about, our website's probably the best place to go. It's mysupply.ca, so M-Y-S-U-P-P-L-I dot C-A. Um, you can also find us on all of our social channels at mysupply with an I. Monique? Yeah, so you can find us um, at bruised, B-R-U-I-Z-E-D dot com, which is our website. And you can also purchase some of our products through there. Um, and our other social media handles would be at bruised co. So B-R-U-I-Z-E-D-C-O on Instagram. We're pretty, um, uh, we're pretty uh, active there and also Facebook um, and TikTok and and different platforms like that. So feel free okay. to reach out. <laughs> I would like to take just a minute to thank both of all, all three of you, both businesses, but all three of you uh, for forging this path forward um, because you are benefiting all of us by doing this. Even if we don't get to use your product immediately, you're still benefiting everybody by what you're doing. It takes courage to, to pursue a business that is not openly embraced yet or to even forge a whole new path uh, like supply is doing. So um, I, I thank all of you uh, for all you're doing and and I'm going to be here 
cheering you on uh, for a long, long time. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Candice, for giving us this platform to, to share um, and to Marcy and RBC uh, for supporting women entrepreneurs, because I think, you know, as you've heard, it's not a it's, it's not an easy slog. Um, but I think if we get the right partners and collaborators around the table, um, you know, there's no reason we can't all be very, very successful in, um, in helping the environment while still operating our businesses. Yeah, there's green in the money and green in, in, the, in the business. It's all good. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining me today. Uh, this was great. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.